You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, Downers, what's up? This is Matt. Let me give you a quick intro for the episode today. I'm actually on vacation right now. I'm trying to squeeze in a week of vacation with my family. I just landed in Nashville. And we, of course, have the Bad Christian Conference this weekend coming up. It's sold out. But there's also an Emory, S. Cities Burn, King's Kaleidoscope, Derek Minor show with tickets still available at Rocket Town, and that is Saturday night. And then Emory shows in Florida and Atlanta the following week. Go to emorymusic.com to get tickets to those shows, and also make sure that you buy some merch from Rockabilia. If you need a T-shirt, a hat, a poster, you know, any of that stuff, Rockabilia has been making merch for bands officially licensed where the bands get paid for years and years and years. Great website. Anything you get there is 15% off if you use the promo code PC Break It Down. My guest today is named Mohi Mamoria, and he is amazing. I had the best time talking to him. He's right up my alley. Extremely stimulating conversation. We talked about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, but really, that is just a pretense for talking about the importance and the possibilities of decentralization of assets of of anything there's so many there's so many possibilities with tech and decentralization going forward just to explore them with somebody uh, was just a real treat for me and I think you really enjoy this conversation all right talk to y'all soon break it down dada break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it down Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Let's make cutter. Yeah! What did you have a blackout last time, huh? Oh, yeah. So, like, it, it, the blackout was like uh, the internet was not working. And uh, the, the reason was there was no power uh, at the from from at the point where we get the internet and they were not mm-hmm. able to do anything so it was like um, hey you will get in internet only after at least 12 hours and i'm like uh okay cool <laughs> how often does that that happen that happened for the first time first time is not normal so what city are you in in india uh i'm in delhi in delhi okay mm-hmm. great you've been there your whole life oh yeah so I, i'm in a city which is very close to delhi it's called gurgaon Oh uh, yeah, I, I I was born and brought up in Gurgaon. That's great. And uh, so, 
you do your business and everything else in English, I guess. Is it is most of your stuff done globally or internationally, or you know why is that that you do do all your websites and emails in English, or do you also do it in Indian for for other people in other languages? Oh no 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 no. And so uh, maybe you would find it very surprising that uh, a lot of businesses based out of India they use English as their primary language. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, even even if they have to sell it to some Indians. um the hindi the other regional languages come secondary the english becomes a, takes the primary seat and also in our case uh, most of our investors most of our clients are global um so it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to just be speak in english Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems that we're obviously moving in that global direction. That's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you know, we've we focus a lot in the United States <laughs> just on the United States okay. and there's this weird time right now where everybody you know the society's becoming global really fast and technology is a big part of that but then at, for the moment especially with our politics and everything else it we get we get super super focused on on stuff over here and it gets pretty draining so i like to come up for air and think about the future and think about uh globally and what everybody else is doing kind of a thing it's better uh-huh. than being so focused on our <laughs> the problems we have here in the United States. So, um that's part of the reason I wanted to talk to you. But I'm curious what the point of view is of uh the United States as you see it in the centrality of business and things moving forward. I'm trying to get a good grip on my place in the world and our place in the world and I see people out there like you doing so much interesting stuff. I'm curious of not so much politically but in general um what's your opinion of the the US is and how you interact with that market. Absolutely. So, uh So I'll tell you an interesting fact that the companies that I've built previously were all incorporated in US, and uh, and the reason that I did was uh, the first time that I did the overall uh, the overall smoothness in the process um, and the uh, interactions with my lawyer were like so smooth um, that I could run a company in US by sitting here in India. and honestly i have never been to us uh, in my life i'll be there in mm-hmm. us like from uh, february 1 uh, february 11th onwards uh, for about 5 6 weeks but before it i was uh, never never been uh, to us and i find it very surprising because a lot of money uh, in our business comes from us clients us investors mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then then some some of the european uk investors and they don't find comfort putting in money or uh, like uh, doing doing stuff which is like an with an indian based company but they are very happy to do a business to 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 do business with uh, someone who is based based out of us and that to me was surprising and since then i have incorporated all of my companies whatever i built in us mhm so you run us companies basically just from <laughs> india yes absolutely yeah so we have an indian subsidiary also but yeah that subsidiary is like wholly owned by us us company yeah Yeah, I think uh and so most of your clients and everybody is US also then or or more global people but still they like it to be US based. Yeah, I don't know why but they find some sort of trust. So it I I believe it's some sort of perception that people believe uh and they mm-hmm. want us either to be based out of US or from or Singapore. So they find comfort in either either of these two geographies and mm-hmm. I I personally find a lot of a lot of comfort a lot of comfort in the US by being in US because uh that is the kind of ecosystem that is the ecosystem where we want to be eventually and I personally want to move to US um in some point of uh, in some point in my life so that's why the us 
That's interesting. That'd be that'd be very cool to move here. What what city do you think you'd like to be in? <laughs> so, uh, so I am a programmer, uh, techie. Mm-hmm. So I find a lot of uh, this thing, a lot of. Uh, I, I relate myself a lot with the San Francisco, the Silicon Valley culture. Uh, but mm-hmm. but for the current business that we are building, which is a crypto fund, I believe I'll have to spend a lot of lot of time on the East Coast, somewhere in New, New York and the financial stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So are you more interested in currency and finance and money, stuff like that, or, or, or the technology side and programming in Silicon Valley, which is uh, what you think your focus is, where do you think you're headed? Oh, absolutely. So I am a programmer for the last 15 years. So I started programming when I was just 11. Uh, so I am totally a programmer, but uh, last one and a half years, I spent a lot of time understanding the economics, the finances, and everything, uh, because the blockchain is such... Uh, the cryptocurrencies was such a good uh, what was such a rare combination of both the technology and the economics and because of yes. this thing I had to just learn both the stuff and I find the finance and economics very fascinating these days so all the books that I'm reading these days are around economics uh, so I believe I believe I have explored a lot of tech uh, in the last 15 years and it's time to just explore some some side of the economics now I like that. I I, uh, I think that's great to be multiple <laughs> multiple disciplines and be into multiple things because when they stack up mm-hmm. and you have you know a stack of skills that are you know separate but they become interrelated, then that you wind up having a lot of ability or unique abilities or unique combinations of abilities. And in the marketplace, that's what usually turns out to be valuable than being the number one or top you know one percent at a certain discipline. When you're able to stack them up and then go innovate things, is when it really can work out. Absolutely, absolutely. I like to call myself uh, Jack of all trades, master of one. So I know one thing very well, but yeah, I know a lot of things just good enough. That's good. Good. I like that. I like that approach. <laughs> so let's talk about cryptocurrency. And I'd like to focus on, uh, you know, my interest in it is kind of like what you're saying. I think it's just a really interesting marriage of economics and finance and technology. I'm much more interested in the technology than the investment or mm-hmm. the the, the petty petty gambling that my, all my friends are doing with a hundred dollars at a time of of, of uh, Litecoin and whatever all these other things are, um, but I, I want to get your thoughts on that. If you're more interested, like, um, let's just start with the the price. I think I'll put this episode out right away because the v- price is so volatile. Right now we're sitting at like eleven thousand yes. dollars US for for the coin, it, and it dropped below ten thousand. Yes. Uh, I don't own any. Uh, I told people <laughs> if it dropped far enough, I'd probably get in. But I missed the boat. I was trying. I should have bought some and was intended to buy some when I was watching it every day a few years ago. It was about four hundred bucks, uh-huh. and I thought that was a little high, <laughs> and I didn't buy any. I, I should have, and uh, and then I, I I just stopped following it after a while, and now here it is like that. But I said if it gets low enough, I'd probably get in again. But I'm not really. I'm from what I gather, it doesn't seem to. I'm not excited that everybody's just trying to use the thing to, to get rich on it. I'm not big into that mindset. I wonder what your thoughts are on it. Uh, absolutely. So I'll tell you my honest thoughts first. Uh, the la- entire last year, uh, we saw some some decent growth in the first uh, couple of months, and then it was mm-hmm. just an expo- exponential growth. And if you, if you look at the graph, it'll it'll look like it's kind of okay. And it, so the graph of last five years, it looked like it's kind of okay. Show the last five years, and then in in, the, in just the last year, it just went up, uh, uh, just a single spike. I mm-hmm. I do not call this graph a graph of disruption. Instead, I call this a graph of greed. Uh, 
last year a lot of greedy people got into this ecosystem with just one purpose which was to uh, get in to buy a lot of these coins or cryptocurrencies and the hope of selling them at a higher price and just that mm-hmm. they didn't understand what was a blockchain they didn't understand how the cryptocurrencies work they didn't they didn't even know that bitcoin is very different from ethereum and from ripple from bitcoin cash from litecoin each of these mm-hmm. coins has a currency has, has a purpose behind it they did not understand all they wanted to all they saw was the price is going up all they wanted to do is ride the bus just that so Yes, absolutely. I'm not in very favor of uh, just uh, just being greedy about it. Uh, I what I personally advise or advocate is uh, understand what decentralization is, and not just from a technology point of view or financial point of view. Understand it from the philosophical point of view. How how the humanity has evolved over last say few decades uh, or or few centuries, and then just compare it with uh, how how we are going towards a decentralization. Uh, what what and then form a worldview. Like form your old form your own worldview of a world which is say ten years from now, twenty years from, thirty years from now, and if you believe decentralization will play some sort of role over there, and just take those bets according to your own worldview of thirty of of twenty years from now. So that mm-hmm. so this is what the approach that I tell people. And if 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 this is approach looks very subjective to someone, I tell them that another very simple reason, uh, another another very simple approach to get in, get into this market is. understand how much you understand about decentralization if you believe that you understand 1% of the entire decentralization market you invest just 1% of your investable surplus uh, like that if you if you think you believe 10% of it and you invest 10% up to up to 10% but any sane person would not invest more than 2% 3% of their entire wealth because nobody knows where we are going we just have a few random ideas spread here and there and people are trying to run very several experiments to join all of these dots i don't know which form it will take once the dots are joined but yes that that's what i tell people either form their either form your own philosophical point of a point of view which is very very mm-hmm. long term or if you want to do something in short term just evaluate yourself your own understanding about the market and go with the same percentage that you understand about the market Right. If you're trading, I mean, day to day, then you're not talking. Technology is irrelevant. You're just yeah. trying. To, that's only economics and financial markets that you should be focused on. And then the investment approach is what you're saying there, which I've told a bunch of people that, and I'm glad to hear you uh, reiterate it. That anybody that's serious about investing money. Even the more serious you are, the more likely you would have a single-digit percentage at most. Yeah. Nobody with any money would put more that has any sense would put more than a few percentage of the, what they totally invest in, into uh, something like this. But le- I'm even more interested in the philosophy of decentralization because I, I don't really care about the ups and downs of the market. So let's stay there. I would love to talk about decentralization as a whole. So um, when you say decentralization as a philosophy, obviously. Societies have been decentralizing for a while. Uh, I mean, you could call. I guess the democratization of of information is a big step there. What are the mm-hmm. big steps in decentralization that we have? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's the internet in general, but what are the other things and trends of decentralization over the you know over the centuries, even or decades? Yeah. So, uh, in general, humanity in the the evolution of human beings. Uh, the first few things were the election of your leaders. Uh, initially, uh, when we when we used to live in caves and we 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 were a form of, we we were a part of a tribe, uh, what used to happen was that 
people in the tribe would just fight with each other just over food and how how do you solve these arguments or fights with within the tribe or with the other with the other member of with the member of another tribe um, so there was need to put a wise man as a leader who would understand and who might make a sane decisions which mm-hmm. the that same thing is still happening in 2018 and so this is what surprises me so that leader approach of course the ways to choose the leader has changed we have evolved from it but leaders are still there who who believes that they can do the best for the for for the entire group or the entire country or the entire world which is something that surprises me and because and what surprises me even more is it's cool i understand that leader might be wise and he or she might be able to understand uh, from a bird's point of view uh, not not just from the one's worm's point of view and he or she would make a lot of decisions that might look wrong in short term but will be really good in the long term but i mm-hmm. but what i what what surprises me is but what if a large portion of the tribe or a large portion of uh, someone who is led by this leader leader doesn't agree with him or her uh, is there any way where he or she can or or this large portion can go on their own way this doesn't happen this cannot happen in the current scenarios in any uh, in any way possible so decentralization the the one of the most amazing pieces of decentralization is uh, i'll tell you uh, so i love this uh, one statement which i keep repeating every now and then which is decentralization has allowed strangers to work together instead of uh, instead of working in the same manner with uh, uh, from the fear of someone just work together collaborate together for the overall good of the group of strangers so this is the first time in the entire human history that you could trust a group of strangers more than you could trust then you could trust just a one familiar face uh, so and now the interesting part is in this group of strangers if a large portion of it doesn't agree with another large portion of they can actually start moving in their own direction there is no obligation there is no rule that everybody has to just work together on the same things if they if any point of time if anything and if anyone or a large portion of even of a large portion of the this group doesn't agree with another large portion they can move the, they can go on their own way and nobody stopping it this thing is what amazes me because this would mean there are always the communities or group of communities who always trust and who always work in the same manner within themselves and which is mm-hmm. so right now we have the same situation like this countries country 1 works in within themselves country 2 works within themselves but there is no choice the, the limitations are geographies not not by what one wants so in in the decentralized world geography is not the limit limit is what are your own needs so people with certain sort of needs will form their own community will be working with their own economy and they'll be happy in their own places a person mm-hmm. pe- people with different needs will be their own or will will have their own community will have their own economics and will be in their own places and of course there will be trade between these two communities and which will keep happening like but the choice of which community or which group you want to be this choice is the important and the crux of the decentralization mhm There's so many possibilities when you start to open your mind to that. It seems like we will maybe I already should have but we will outgrow some of the local authority and governments and even those kinds of things we may transcend that a little bit but we're at least way still too big on looking for one leader that is the authority as if that makes us feel safer. So I think people are just bothered by the notion of well I'll put it this way I think people 
especially in Western society, are so individualistic mm-hmm. that they think that they just they just can't sit well with things being decentralized. It just seems counterintuitive and, and not strong and weak, and, and each person is less important. And we want an authority. We want a surgeon or a political leader or a, a preacher or religious leader. We want these people because they make us feel a little bit safer. But the more and more our society becomes stable and safe, we should be able to kind of outgrow those things a little bit. So I think being overly individualistic probably plays into people's resistance to move into decentralized um, ideas. Absolutely. Uh, see, this is not just a few years thing that we have grown into. Like we had always a leader, a sergeant, a commander for like centuries with us. So it will take some time. It might take a few generations even uh, to have that complete mindset where we do not, where we believe we do not need a leader. So, but we are going towards the thing. The till now the problem was we did not know how to, we did not know how to coordinate with the rest of the community members and solve uh, and reach to a consensus. But now we do. Right. But now we do. Yes. So there's lots of ways that, that things self-regulate when there's a mechanism in place for it to be done, basically. So even society in general, there's no rule. Like manners are an example of that. Like manners, they just, they exist. And subcultures have their own ideas of what's appropriate and not appropriate manners-wise. They've evolved. There's nobody in charge. There's nobody that dictates uh, how language should be used, except for sometimes in schools. But that's silly, almost to a degree. (laughs) But nobody is in charge of manners and sets of norms in society. So society is a decentralized structure that everybody contributes to in a specialized way, and it exists, and it controls people's behavior much more effectively than if you just had a leader or a set of leaders or infrastructure that went around policing everybody's behavior. The social pressure, the, the mutual trust, and I guess trust is the biggest factor there, too, um, that will cause people to be able to you know, relax into uh, decentralized things. But I guess society as a whole is a, is a, is a version of that, right? Absolutely, I totally, I'm, I'm totally on the same page uh, as you are. Uh, it, it's not only just our trust; it's all, it's also our single point of failure. When you have everything just at one single point, when you have all the eggs in just one basket, uh, mm-hmm. that 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 is always a problem, and we understand that this is a problem. Uh, the second, like, the second degree of problem is you have all the eggs in one basket, and that basket belongs to someone else. Uh, so, so uh, belonging to someone else is one problem, but having all the eggs in one basket is another problem. What mm-hmm. if uh, we, we, I'm not talking about being uh, the basket holder as a corrupt person. I'm just talking or a dishonest person. I'm just talking about what if uh, there's a na- natural ca- catastrophe and the basket just uh, is a victim of the uh, na- natural catastrophe. What if you mm-hmm. could have your eggs in other baskets also? What if there was replication? What if there was duplication? Uh, then it makes a lot of sense to to have any sort of economic value in place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could even governments they they just make bad decisions. Obviously, sometimes. I mean, <laughs> you know, for instance, Greece uh, had I'm not, I don't know the politics of it or whatever, but you know, Greece is is an example, and many countries where their currencies have have failed based on governmental policy or decisions or will of you know some s- small set of individuals, and that's a, a, an example of all the eggs in one basket. I'd imagine. Absolutely. We have seen several recessions uh, which which are caused by these central authorities because at the end of the day, the central authorities are run by human beings. Human beings are some someone who can think and whoever who can think and have has the power can actually do stuff, strange stuff, 
and this this is not this is not unique this is not unusual human beings were made to experiment with things and when when we do an experiment and we some and we see something positive happening for an individual we keep repeating it we keep repeating it and if, and if we repeat often enough that individual incentives really grow very fast but then it causes negative incentive negative implications for the rest of the world so that that is the whole point uh, if you put one guy in charge subconsciously unconsciously he or she will start incentivizing or he'll start repeating the stuff that incentivizes him or her in any sort of way manner mm -hmm. so what uh as it pertains to currency then uh what do you feel about <laughs> are the barriers to cryptocurrency being uh you know adopted enough to where it could become stable because it clearly <laughs> we're saying decentralized would be good but it's clearly un very very unstable and unusable at this time absolutely so uh now the, the uh, hey hey i like a very interesting analogy we say cryptocurrencies are unstable uh because when we compare it to the us dollar prices or fiat currency prices uh Uh, which which I'll come back to it, but what first I'll tell you is what are what are the things that are stopping the this the decentralization to be mass adopted. First is uh, scalability. So right now, if I plan to buy a Starbucks coffee uh, using bitcoins, that bitcoin transaction will take from a few minutes to a couple of hours, or sometimes a couple of days, just to go through. And I can just stay standing in the queue uh, in, at the Starbucks. So scalability is a huge, huge problem. The all of the blockchain networks are very, very slow. So if you're talking about computers, blockchains are still calculators. They're very, very slow and made to just and made to do just one thing. So scalability is one problem, which is a huge, huge problem, but just a technology problem which can be solved. It's just a matter of time. Second problem mm -hmm. is something very interesting. Second problem is governance. So now because everything is decentralized, how do you carry out? voting like how do you carry out which direction should we change uh, or is, should this community course correct themselves or should this uh, community head into another direction how do we do it because there is no leader to direct us if uh, the community is going in a black hole they'll keep going towards the black hole until someone else starts talking about it so the governance mm -hmm. governance is a huge huge problem so uh, so i'll give an example think of decentralized social network i hear this example a lot where people say if facebook is money making money out of our activities and behavior what if there can be decentralized social network where we get a chunk of that revenue so now assume there is a decentralized social network that exists which is as far as facebook now it this social network has uh, 2 billion users and it is making 2 billion dollars now what now mm -hmm. what what will per user get per user will just get a dollar now what will he he or she will give up against the for for to get the dollar he or she will give the fast paced developing facebook uh, now if facebook wants as the centralized com company wants live videos to go out it will go it can make and deploy the live video into production within a few months but if but in the case of a decentralized version people will always keep fighting people will keep arguing no 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 live media would mean people would stream their suicides which 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 we cannot uh, Uh, mm -hmm. uh, which 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 can which we cannot prevent or uh, moderate. So this will be a huge problem. 
but the other side would say, but live videos make a lot of sense. You can see just what I'm seeing. Uh, and it so, so arguments will always be there and they'll never reach to a consensus. And even if they reach to a consensus, there will still be a small minority who would just fork away from the community and say, no, we do not believe in live videos. So this governance, how do you figure out what, what, what the, what the what, where should we go? Uh, this governance is a huge, huge problem in, in, in a decentralized world. So I'm, I'm not really sure how the governance thing will be solved. It is the one of the those philosophical questions that uh, keeps me awake at nights. But uh, yes, so these are the two problems that is uh, keeping the blockchain from mass adoption. And uh, mm -hmm. and when and when we talk about instability, we talk about when we compare the compare the prices of these cryptocurrencies with US dollars. Uh, I believe when the decentralization will really happen, uh, the comparison will stop happening. Uh, so if so, suppose I if I travel to US. I'll always compare and always whenever I have to buy anything, I'll always convert US dollars to INR, the Indian rupee, just to see how much it means in the Indian rupee because my earnings and savings and investments are mostly in INR and US dollar is just a visit. So right now, this cryptocurrency's world is just like a visit. People are paying visit over there and they are always yes. converting what, 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 what it costs me to pay a visit over there. So what there will come a time when uh, you will, you, you're uh, earnings will be in these tokens. So you, as, as part of your compensation, you will receive some US dollars, then some food tokens, then some travel tokens, then some entertainment tokens, then some leisure tokens, then some uh, health tokens. Um, so your needs would be fulfilled by these tokens and the prices in the market outside would be one Starbucks coffee or one food token. Then it doesn't matter if one food token is valued $10 in the uh, rest of the world or $20 in the rest of the world. When your uh, input and output will be in the same currency, the, the instability, the instability will just go vanish away overnight. So it's just a matter of time, I believe, when uh, the technology adoption, when the technology will evolve, the adoption will happen and then you will start uh, earning in the same cryptocurrencies that you will be spending in. Money had been a proxy for our needs for so so many years. Do you need money? No, you need food. So therefore, you need food tokens. Yeah, okay. So that's kind of a light bulb for me then. You've helped me see a, vi a vision of decentralization that I can almost kind of get more of a, a picture around. So I'm going to spend a little bit more time there. Are you saying, make sure I understand you correctly, that instead of there being one cryptocurrency that just happens to dominate and it Bitcoin makes it and everything's Bitcoin and everybody in the world uses one currency, that's not decentralized. I mean, and that's is decentralized currency, but the more of the point would be that there would be tons of tons of different communities and cryptocurrencies or tokens that are designed for unique areas that are not being converted back and forth to your native currency or some other currency, but literally just used as they are so you receive you send and receive uh this these things of value associated with the community it is so like you said food or coffee or whatever it is that have maybe standard values across the world their, their value is what their value is but you're not always trying to use this one currency and convert it to this other one kind of a thing you're just living in that world which would mean it's uh price volatility against a fiat currency would be irrelevant anyway Absolutely, absolutely. That that day is not just next year. It will take some time, but yes, that's where we are heading towards. 
So let's talk about let's let's get even narrower on that. We'll bounce back and forth between mm-hmm. broad and narrow here. But let's talk about. I actually saw one of your emails that you wrote on something that I've thought about or heard other people discuss to some degree, and that's you know the use of this kind of stuff as it be smart contracts and these really really micro payments. When you get out the leadership, the the big banks and the mm-hmm. Chase and the uh, Bank of America or whatever it is that has to convert back and forth and do processing fees. When you get rid of remove all that stuff and take out all the uh, bureaucracy and tape and administration and you're allowed to do stuff direct peer-to-peer in every realm. Let's say there's a cryptocurrency that is unique to car travel. I read an email where you were describing a way that cars could interact with each other, if you know the one I'm talking about, and I thought it was quite interesting um, how cars and drivers and ride sharing could all interact with currencies on the fly in real time as you go down the road, as far and to, to actually alleviate traffic and prioritize toward the the, the rider's uh, preferences. Can you explain that to me better than I could reiterate it? <laughs> Absolutely. So you're talking one of the email editions of my newsletter, Unmade, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, see, uh, a lot of people believe that self-driving cars will dominate the world. So, I imagine I imagined a world where self-driving cars are there and people are just driven around. Uh, in a world like this, uh, if a car is in rush, so there can be a mechanism where you can set up preferences for the ride, where you would say, "Hey, I'm in rush." I'll spend some extra money, but I just need to be there as fast as possible. And th- and on the road, there would be some uh, passengers who would just set the preferences. Hey, I'm already on time. So I don't worry if someone overtakes me, let them overtake them. I'll be very kind. But yeah, because I'm kind to them, can I get some incentives to be the, to be kind? And what happens, how, what will happen in such a, such a, on such a road is there would be some uh, cars, some vehicles, who would be just in rush and what they lose uh, these self-driving cars will start talking to each other hey my rider is in rush so if it if your rider is not in rush so can you give me a side i'll pay these two car tokens to you so you pay these two cab tokens to this uh, the other cab and the then uh, the and the rider in rush just uh, overtakes the car and he just uh, and he or she just rushes away so it, during the, so in a in a situation like this if you if you really value your time you just pay extra money but if you really and if you are okay with your time and if, if you have planned well you can just earn some money just by being driven on the road so this is again an economic model that can exist in a self-driving uh, world uh, mm-hmm. but but this can all self-regulated be- decentralized there's no company that makes you download the app to make i mean it already there's nobody that this payments process through or or even user agreements i mean it's Nothing. literally just Nothing. the individuals and cars talking yeah. to each other yeah, based on a set of preferences like if you were handing you know everybody you passed in the car you th- tossed a penny into <laughs> that let you over you'd p- throw a quarter into their window would be the analog version of this right absolutely absolutely it would mm-hmm. it would just be one car talking to another car and it just just i will just put one more thing in the in, in this thing in in such a world where one car talks to another car it cannot be possible that this communication happens through a central server where one company says all the messages through should go through my central server because if it that happens what will happen is imagine a time when there's a blackout where the server is kept just like the, there was blackout the last week what if there mm-hmm. was a blackout and there was there's just power outage in the servers and we have seen websites going down websites going down is cool but when the power outage is there and cars cannot talk to each other there will be just accidents yesterday there mm-hmm. was bloodbath in the cryptocurrency market but there will be literal bloodbath on the roads if the cars cannot talk to each other just because the central server failed 
so there there has to be a decentralized messaging protocol a decentralized messaging database or, the, or a decentralized ledger that can pass one message to then that can pass message from one car to another car that is why I believe directly directly yeah, without going through anything absolutely yes. that is why i believe in a peer to peer mechanism a decentralized world so much because just because self driving cars which is so near uh in in the future if, if even if that has to happen it has to happen through a decentralized network it cannot happen through a centralized network mm-hmm. and we can do that technology for any like so you know people think blockchain that's the thing that they use for bitcoin as if that's all it is but it's not i mean blockchain's a type of software or i don't even know if i'm going to say it right here it's a type of se- technology software ledger uh interaction that allows things to be decentralized entirely. So it could be done for, for lots of things. In fact, I, I heard a, I was listening to a Tim O'Reilly book about the future, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how you know, Uber itself should, and he's all about open source things, which is basic, another kind of analog to uh, decentralized or blockchain mm-hmm. in that it's not controlled by anybody. There's no, there's no official rules um, from a, a governing authority, and anybody can add to it or take away or make a better version or an altered version, just like open source software. Where you know you could have a whole, you could have Uber on a blockchain or everything that Uber does on the blockchain, and you wouldn't need, need the company Uber anymore. And it's just the people that are willing to participate in that system could do so freely, and there literally could be nobody owning it or running it. Is that absolutely make sense? Is that true? Absolutely, it is absolutely true. So the companies like Uber, Airbnb, all the marketplaces, mm-hmm. the e-commerce marketplaces, all of these companies are just playing the part of being the mediator which says you deposit money through to me and I'll make sure that the money reaches the other end where in yep. between I'll take my own cut now you yep. just you can literally remove these companies and replace them with just a few bunch of just just a bunch of open source files open source software code that's it uh, of course, of course, this will not be feasible right now. This will not be practical right now right. because blockchains are so slow. But yes, with time, when the blockchains are scalable, it can process hundreds of thousands of transactions per second. All of, a lot of these things will just be implemented on, as a smart contract on a blockchain. Instead of being a different companies, they'll just be as open source software code. Yeah, what these companies have done right now, which is amazing by the way i'm i'm the place i'm sitting right now is an airbnb that i use oh. and i cannot believe you know i heard about airbnb i converted a garage and made it an apartment and put my thing up listing up there for airbnb and i am so unbelievably pleased with the fact that there's a whole marketplace where people trust each other and immediately start coming to my property and giving me money and what Airbnb has created, the software, the user experience is great, all that. But what they've created that I cannot believe is the trust level, the people that decide to opt in to participate in Airbnb system, who many people are afraid. They say, I don't want people in my house. But (laughs) no, the people that go to Airbnb, they've created a system where both the the host and the person staying trust and care about each other. And it actually turns out they're very obsessed with trying to impress one another, which is so cool. People clean the place before they leave. They leave notes and we leave them chocolates. And it's just, it's this thing that they've created, which is trust, of course. And Uber similarly. Um, But then again, that's a single point of failure because an an Uber can be very criticized for how they treat drivers or what they do to... uh, you know, inflate the surge pricing that these are individual decisions, but a decentralized network truly adopted and run smoothly in enough time will be even more trustworthy than these companies who I'm give, give a lot of credit to for what they're doing. 
Absolutely. So currently this comp- so for example the Uber thing. The Uber thing, uh, I don't know about US, but in India, all of these drivers are just crying these days. Uh, and the reason is earlier you Uber used to pay handsome incentives. Uh, but now those slowly, slowly over a period of time, those incentives started to shrink. And then now it's it's very difficult to uh, run their own cabs. So earlier mm-hmm. they used to make uh, tens of thousands of dollars a month just in profits. And now they have to just, they just barely make through the month. Uh, and the reason for this was now they have enough riders. So because just because now the, now the demand is there, supply will automatically come. So now supply is not very crucial. So in such a manner, what if the Uber could just be replaced by a smart contract in that case? The prices, the incentives would be adjusted both by the riders and the drivers community together because the riders also feel that over a period of time, the prices have really started to go up. And on the other side, when I hear the drivers, they say, hey, actually, our incentives have started to go down. I do not and I am not able to understand where the money is going. Like I'm paying more money over a period of next three years. But the other guy is getting lower, less and less money over the period of last three mm-hmm. years. Where is the, that extra money is going now? I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, we certainly know that Uber <laughs> spends, earns and spends a lot. And the crazy thing, yes, yeah. it really speaks to inefficiency, even though, again, I think what, what Uber and Airbnb have done is create something based on efficiency. It's like, oh, we'll take resources we have, we'll connect people. So efficiency is their whole model, and they've done a terrific job of marrying supply and demand of resources efficiently. However, what you're t- saying there is clearly as it isn't uh, – I mean, a great amount of uh, resources still have to go into running the centralized thing. So Uber spends, they earn in their percentages billions of dollars. And I believe it's true. I could be wrong about this. That Uber is still not actually even a profitable company. They still spend more in development, administration, marketing, legal, all all these, of course, salaries for them and everything. I'm not criticizing them for making money. Good for them. But they still represent a massive inefficiency in, you know, administration, bureaucracy, and and billions and billions of billions of dollars that's still not profitable that go so to, to somebody other than the riders and the drivers. And so it'd be a zero-sum game in that sense if we had it on the blockchain. Yes. Everybody gets the best deal. It's even safer, even more secure, and there's more money st- still ping-ponging around the system um, without being siphoned off. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, so all the algorithms that they use to uh, charge a rider or pay to, to pay the driver can be just an open-source algorithm where anybody can just see, oh, that's how the price is calculated. Oh, that's what the incentives I am paid. And they can agree and disagree upon it. And if the driver community believes that they should change something, they can change the open source code and just uh, start uh, working on the new code. So that's what I believe something will happen in the next 10 years, I believe. But yeah, let's see. So that's what uh, keeps me excited. Yeah, it's very exciting to me. People are resistant to it, though, and I don't really know. I really don't know why. It's at least fun to think about, but people are like, "Oh, you're just dreaming, man." That'll never happen. <laughs> Nobody will trust. But I, I, that's clearly, if you follow any trend over history, that's usually not true. I'm not making any strong predictions about exactly what will happen, but clearly the trends make sense. And uh, you know, if you maybe people will get excited about it this way, but it is possible if our society is prosperous enough and we design these things well enough and people don't, the governments don't block it and we get somewhere, it's not unreasonable to think that going even a little bit farther, and I know we're just stuck on transportation and <laughs> stuff here, but it's, uh, it's not that hard to think that we'd go from having cars to ride sharing and smart cars toward it being uh, decentralized and affordable on blockchain to where it becomes 
eventually just kind of like some public utility that basically maybe doesn't even have much cost, like just like a, other public utilities. Like maybe we have the internet for free and transportation for free in a hundred years from now. Like wherever you want to go, you can go. It's really a very little cost is possible. You know, if we have enough prosperity and organize things well enough, it may just be getting from one place to another is no big deal. It's just like, I don't know. Abs- you know absolutely. Totally. Costs, costs nothing or it's free. Even. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, totally. So right now we are in very nascent stage and all of these coins and currencies and protocols, I believe these are just experiments. I do not believe any of these experiments will survive next 15, 20 years. What I believe is just like Facebook was not the first social network, Google was not the first search engine. There were many more before that, before them, and they have learned the lessons and mistakes uh, from the. They have learned the lessons from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I believe all of these coins are just experiments which are trying to solve a problem and in their own different ways. And there might be a different coin or just one coin which will solve one problem, and that that will be the coin for that problem altogether. There won't be like fifteen hundred currencies in 10-15 years from now. There will be just fifteen currencies, one for okay. each use case. Because these currencies are not limited by geographies, they are limited by use cases. So one currency for travel, one currency say for staying or hotels or Airbnb, one currency to buy food and that currency to buy food can actually help you. So suppose you pick up an apple uh, in, in, in a convenience store, um, you can actually see that where this apple came from because that ID of the apple will directly will allow you to just follow the trail of that apple directly to the farmer on top of blockchain because everything, the, the entire food uh, industry was maintaining the supply chain on the blockchain. So that, 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 so these things will, like these will happen and you'll just end up with like 15, 20 currencies which are the major use cases uh, of, of the human, human beings. 15 a travel real estate would be one uh, might be real estate makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day uh, the property that you own is just a database entry somewhere so it makes a lot of sense right. to have this database entry in a transparent manner on top of blockchain yeah that one makes a sense i mean that's one that's weird because my gosh if you ever bought a house or done anything <laughs> the amount of paperwork and stuff and the escrow and the banks involved in that is just (laughs) obviously an archaic thing. It just clearly makes no sense. I mean, you have to sign 400 things and there's rules about it and it doesn't matter. No, it's just, it just seems so, so silly. I mean, outdated of a a way to do it. So maybe we can digitize up all the property and and have it on the blockchain and it'll be a lot easier to do property transactions too. Um, I think that would facilitate a whole bunch in the world, but Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, so if you're, if there is multiple use cases like that, we don't we're not really necessarily look, planning on any of the the coins that are around today. Even you know, it's not even that we they'll evolve. I guess evolution is a factor here, yes. basically. So if there is five thousand coins that try out the, the the real strong ones will survive and find their niche and you know litecoin may go away and you know kind of thing so they'll kind of evolve and find their niche and be adopted by communities in an unplanned way and then the 15 most specialized ones that happen to work the best out of thousands will be what we're left with absolutely absolutely so these are think of these apps these currencies as just apps in in, in the app store there are so many mm-hmm. apps but the apps that you use at the end of the day are just four or five apps 
so it, it depends like uh, all of these currencies most of these currencies will just go away uh, most of these currencies will just evolve some currencies will go through forks and then eventually maybe one fork might turn out to be the currency that we use it forever so things will evolve but yes we are going we are, we are heading towards a day where all of these currencies converge into a small number of currencies just maybe between mm -hmm. 10 to 15 or 20 max so if, it's probably safe to say if we jump back to the trading investing if that's the case then that's this is part of the holistic way of looking at your portfolio what we're saying here is these things are awesome and they're totally the future and almost all of the money that you have invested in whatever amount of coins these coins will completely go away and that value will disappear like no matter what most of these coins will eventually go to a zero value absolutely absolutely that therefore i strongly advise to just rebalance your portfolio every week like if you're rebalancing slowly over a period of time as the coins will evolve some will die some other some other will keep going up you'll slowly keep moving from the dying coin and from the coin which is going to thrive so rebalancing is very important Yes, because you're basically keeping updated with the yes. latest evolution yes. of stuff. So, yes. yeah, if you if you choose a coin and ride it forever, if you choose five <laughs> coins and ride them forever, the, the, the stats are likely that you will be left with zero dollars in the end. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything special about Bitcoin, though, that makes it – I mean, it's the front runner. I mean, it was the earliest one, I guess, it, you know, other than just its uh, – early adoption and had the PR and stuff around it. Is there anything special about it versus just the other types of crypto? No. So, okay. So Bitcoin is the simplest coin that can ever exist. So, and mind, mind you, Bitcoin was not the first cryptocurrency. There were cryptocurrencies that were created before Bitcoin. Uh, but Bitcoin solved one thing, which is double spending problem. See, in digital world, if I send you a file, suppose if I send you a photo, you can... Quickly, uh -huh. You can quickly copy that photo and send it to two of your of your friends. And you can say that this is the original photo that I received from Mohit. Now, this is what the problem with digital things is. Because copying is very easy. Copying just means zeros and ones. And one right. zero is exactly ditto uh, same uh, as the another, another zero. And one is exactly same as another one. So, it, it there cannot be a discrimination where we say, hey, this zero is original zero that Mohit sent. This zero is not the original zero. So, Bitcoin... So before Bitcoin, how we solved this double spending problem was that if I say that my this digital money, which is say 10 units of this digital money, I'm sending it to you. I cannot send it to somewhere, someone else. Before Bitcoin, it used to be it used to uh, be solved using a centralized authority again. So there used to be a central ledger where if I if I would have spent this uh, money. The entry would have been made, hey, Mohit has spent this 10 units of this money. So next time he tries to spend the same amount of 10 units, you first check in this ledger if the entry exists, then he's trying to just violate the rules. But Bitcoin was the first currency which made, which made this uh, double spending problem go away without a central ledger. It said, we, I'll, create a, I'll create a way where these blocks can be created. And if someone tries to just spend the same amount of units multiple times, you can quickly validate how, how this money was spent previously. And, this, mm -hmm. and this, this, uh, this change, this technology, this, this protocol, this algorithm, this algorithm was, uh, is, was blockchain. So blockchain allowed uh, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he was, she was, or they were, uh, to create a system where the double spending was able to go, uh, was able to, uh, uh, double spending was solved. 
So Bitcoin was the first currency and with digital things, double spending is a huge, huge problem. Suppose I download a movie from internet. Mm-hmm. Nothing is stopping me from sharing the movie uh, to someone else because I made, I can make quickly make a copy and what, what it does is it eats into the royalty of the artist. It eats into the business of the artist eventually. So this is also a sort of double spending where I'm spend, I am I buy a movie, then I make copies and then this sell it in the open market. So blockchain yeah. and cryptography, the peer-to-peer network, all of these can enable the to to then all of these can enable the digital copies of something to be protected and to be kept original only. Yeah. So that's uh yeah, so we'll get better we'll layer on top of See if you can help me because I'm actually a little bit lost at this point. Mm-hmm. What are the things that will happen? Are we layering more and more code on top of the types of uses of blockchain? And then on top of that, is it uh, what are the physical technological improvements that, that, that we need here that you say is a matter of time? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, see, blockchain at the end of the day is just a record keeping is just a long record book understand a blockchain mm-hmm. is just a database now what kind of data we keep in this database defines the purpose of the coin for example bitcoin bitcoin just keeps tracks of how many who who has how many bitcoins and the value is just perceived the ethereum in other on the on the other hand keeps track of something else so using ethereum you can actually use someone else's computation power someone else's computer to run your own computer program uh, suppose uh, I'm a user and I want to run my computer program. I I have two choices. Either I'll go to a Amazon Web Services and uh, and rent a server, or I'll go to Ethereum network and I'll tell them, hey, whoever will run this program for me, I'll pay something in Ether. Instead of paying in USD, I'll pay something in Ether. So now some computer in the network takes up my program and it executes it. It's it now the execution which says whose program, which program with what inputs and what was the output it the that computer writes this information on top of blockchain for all the computers to see in the network and it just says okay. hey hey Moit, this is your output you can go away now and i have written this information on the blockchain so that if and if anybody wants to understand was this program ever executed they can quickly check in the blockchain and see so you cannot ever say hey i never ran this program because every execution will be in the blockchain so yes, so yeah, so that if you look at that in real estate, that's literally the notion of escrow being eliminated. Basically, yes. it's the thing where are you sure? Are you, did you do it? Did you not do it? Well, once I see that you did it, then I'll pay you. And if, if if I'm satisfied with the service, then I'll pay you. Or we disagree. Or I told you I'd do it and I didn't, and you got your money anyway. All that goes away. So you're basically, I guess, with all these things, the theme of decentralization is you're reducing friction and increasing trust. Really. Absolutely. The, the, all of these things are, we do not need these um, in-middle steps that we have. Why don't we just mm-hmm. jump from point A to point B without going through these middle steps? Because these middle steps are just too, um, are just, just inefficient and are just there to enhance the trust. That trust is mm-hmm. now provided by cryptography, mathematics. Yeah, you remember when people were afraid to use their credit cards online? Yeah, yeah. Now you can imagine what that's done for the world economy and creators and every. Like now, I I do stuff like podcasts and music, and if I, I used to. If I wanted to sell something online, it would be like, yeah, but that's not safe. And then maybe eventually it was Kickstarter and the things like this. But now, if I just, even on my website, throw up a 
pay button and sell something, nobody's worried about the security of the payment or of whether or not I'm not going to deliver on the thing. So th- that's because of trust. And it's opened up basically my whole career is, is done done that way. So can you imagine if we were re- able to reduce the friction and increase the trust on everything on every platform what that would just open up to as far as the prosperity of the globe you know absolutely now now imagine and now imagine a very similar situation where we are doing this podcast recording now suppose if i would have been a very very influencer person and i would have charged you for example now what if after doing this podcast recording you just go away and you do not pay me because you have the digital recording uh, or mm-hmm. what or what if you pay me up front and then i never show up so now, now in, in these cases, what, what might happen is there could have been a smart contract. What it would do is it would keep reading that uh, as so you would first deposit, say, suppose $100 worth of something in that smart contract and that money will come back to you, say, after three days automatically if, if. We have not done an, if we have not done a podcast now within the next mm-hmm. three days suppose we get on a, a skype call and that smart contacts gets triggered hey now skype call is uh, activated and it sees that hey 56 57 minutes are done so this is a long enough phone call for a podcast and right. that, that means the podcast is done so that means more has to be paid so your hundred dollars immediately comes back comes to me and you have to do nothing and there was no yes. middleman to trust because yeah so that so these are the kind of situations which will slowly start to penetrate in our daily lives and eventually we'll we'll uh, we will uh, we'll see self driving cars yeah absolutely yeah, it would just the, the preferences of the smart contract would would hook up to the Skype call and s- specify the number of minutes it would have to be and that it in fact was tran- the file was transferred off and up to the podcast and as when it became released you'd receive you know on my podcast RSS feed you would receive payment or whatever stuff like that it would already be pre-specified yes. and yes. standardized yes. Yes. with nobody in the middle and it'll just you know this going to continue to to you know, there's so many people with so many talents and so much to contribute in the world that are just not in the system or or, or listen to. I mean, it'll solve a bunch of social justice problems, I imagine. Like, uh, people will be able to, despite what their ethnic group is or their gender, you know, there will be even less of those barriers, too. When, when anybody in any geographic region can simply provide the quality of work desired, then they'll get paid, uh, not only paid, but equal pay for it with, with no discrimination. Or, at least that's a part, of, a part of it, at least. Absolutely. So software doesn't discriminate human beings, only another human being does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So software are always, so just like I said, two software, one zero is very same, same as another zero. So just in, to the software, you is very similar to what I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, and so that that's good because some of our human biases seem to be some <laughs> of our biggest problems at this time. But we'll, you know, a whole another conversation would have there as we go into. We would just, I know you have thoughts on AI and how we would program ethics and discernment into something like that. But oh. that'd be it for another conversation. Oh, so I have. I appreciate your time today. AI. Would you leave us with it? Uh, could you tell us some? Uh, some cryptocurrencies that you're interested in and to watch out for or you know to look out for that are that are interesting some other coins <laughs> before we go yeah so this is the only question that i cannot answer because it would be a huge conflict of interest with the business that okay. i'm running and nobody in our team is allowed to answer this question okay good good that's no problem <laughs> well then in that case let me leave you with the final question of just take a, a minute or two to explain your company and if there's anything you want people to to do or if you're looking for people to become obviously you could follow your email 
uh, newsletter, which I which I do, and uh, anything else like that. But what is it that you hope people do? What are you out here doing podcasts and communicating on on behalf of? Okay, so uh, I, I am building uh, what what uh, what I call a crypto hedge fund. So this crypto hedge fund is more like a mutual fund but for crypto assets so people want to get into this ecosystem so there are people who have invested in real estate stocks market debts mutual funds everywhere and but all of these things are again pegged at the bottom of the pyramid on us dollars inr or euros or pounds so uh, to, to these people it makes a lot of sense to hedge against us dollars inr just with one percent of their wealth so these people mm-hmm. reach out to us and they say hey we want to uh, get invest into this cryptocurrencies but i do not know which ones to buy which ones to trade which when to get out so these people give us their money we put this money into the common pool and we have a team of experts who keep evaluating all the coins and who, who is very updated who stay updated uh, with the, everything that is happening around the world and we have teams spread across the world so that we cover all the time zones because this is a 24/7 market, and we deploy this money in the from the pool uh, on in the portfolio, and we keep rebalancing the portfolio, and we charge a quarterly fee. So this is what we do, and we call ourselves Authority Capital. Uh, and if you mm-hmm. want to like, if anybody wants to understand what we do a little better, uh, we are available at authority.com, like authority but without an Y. It's an O, mm-hmm. Authority. Authority.com. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. So it's kind of like being in a. A mutual fund or an index fund kind of a thing. Yes. But you're the one making it, doing it, and it's all crypto as opposed to stocks and bonds. Yes, yes, yes. So, so we, which is a good idea. Yes, because so. I don't know anything about. That. I, I, you know, I think the people love to think they found the right coin or get an initial <laughs> coin offering or stuff like that. But you know, smart investors in the real world do a lot more in funds than they do, you know, just playing around individual. Especially if you're not really knowledgeable. So, I think that's a reasonable idea. If I do, maybe that's a, a smarter idea. If I was going to put in a, a percent or two, uh, it would be. I think that actually sounds more reasonable to me than trying to. <laughs> randomly throw darts at a couple of coins. <laughs> yeah, if you do it yourself, you'll be just stuck with on on this computer screen twenty four seven, and you'll always be refreshing what our team. Does. Yeah, but this entertainment for people—they're just—they are. I mean, people—it's like playing roulette. I mean, people—that's yeah, yeah. okay to do. It's fun. I mean, that's what they're—that's what a lot of people are doing. I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody with a. I don't know. I think most people are just playing around with it in the small range. The, the people I'm talking about, at least, I know there's people who are doing big investments too, but. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, I I uh, I'm excited about it though. I mean, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to 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 follow and watch. And I'm so glad that even the greed is driving people's curiosity <laughs> and learning about technology and decentralization. Don't you think? At least that's a a, a good thing. Oh, that's a that's a beautiful thing. And I spend almost a third of my time just teaching and educating people what decentralization is, what blockchain is. Just maybe because I don't know, there's there might be some kid who might get an idea and who might build the next big thing, who might build the the decentralized Uber that we have just spoken about. Uh, nobody knows, so I just keep uh, sharing whatever I know with any with anybody I know, uh, and let's see what the future holds. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be exciting. I'd like to catch up with you soon, and uh, I'll follow your work. And uh, you know, ho- hopefully, people find out and reach out to you if they enjoy this interview. But the point of it isn't to anything other than just us sharing information here. It's been helpful to my perspective to to hear from you, and I've enjoyed the time very much. So, thank you very much, Mohit. Absolutely, thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I love the conversation. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com.
Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.